couple of years ago, I had the honor of um, hiking the Otter Trail. How many of you guys know the Otter Trail? How many, who's hiked the Otter Trail? Oh, there's a couple of us. That's cool. Who would want to hike the Otter Trail? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't. It sounds nice. Eh? It's actually one of the, I think it's probably one of the most spectacular hikes in South Africa. Next to the Drakensberg. I think the Drakensberg is also spectacular. But the incredible thing about the Otter Trail is that there are a number of rivers that you need to cross in order to get to your end destination. It's, I think it's about a five or six day hike. It's about 42 kilometers. There are a number of ups and downs. <laughs> For those of you who have hiked it, I think there's about nine, seven or nine major climbs, like steps. Um, I won't brag, but I've also run the Otter Trail. <laughs> it's a five-day hike of 42 Ks. I ran it in seven and a half hours. The record for running it, thank you. <laughs> That's not, not that great, though, but it was good enough for me. The record, I'll just tell you, is just over four hours running the Otter Trail. So those who've walked it know it's an incredibly technical trail. I mean, it's, it's, it's rocks, it's, and it's rivers. It's got river crossings. But there's one river on that trail that everyone knows and everyone fears it's the Blokrans River, because the Blokrans River is a quite, at most times of the year, it's very seldom that it's not, but it's actually quite a massive river, quite a, well, by South African standards. Okay, so we, if you go to America, it's a, it's a little stream, but uh, by South African standards, it's quite a big river, and it flows quite strong. And actually, the year that I ran the, the, the Otter Trail event, as I was coming down the steps towards the Blokrans River, there were waterfalls next to me. That's how heavy it was raining. And I crossed over in the nick of time before the floodwaters came, and they actually had to then shut the crossing. And they had to then ferry guys across with little boats. But the interesting thing about crossing that river was that if I was on this side, and I'm going to ask, I'm actually going to, yeah, I'm going to ask, um, Beatrice, won't you stand? So, at that point, the river's probably, okay, we can't really do wider than this, but say that was the river. But there's, there's the exit point there. And I was here, and I'm going, okay, now I've got to get there. Now I'm looking at this river, and it's flowing quite strong. It's flowing quite strong. Now they did have a, a piece of rope, just for those of us that were feeling a bit scared. But if the river's flowing down, like, in order for me to get there, how many of you know that I would actually have to swim like this? to get there. If I had swum straight to where Petrus is standing, I probably would have been washed out in the sea. Axel verdrink. Axel verdrink it. Thanks, Petrus. How many of us have, have experienced that before? I mean, like, gone to a holiday town or whatever. Hey, Jacques, I'm sure. We've gone to one of the rivers and we get in the water and, you know, they're standing with the kids, come to us, and they start to, you start freaking out. The kids are getting washed down the river kind of thing. And in order to get to that point, they've got to swim upstream. They've got to swim upstream. They've got to, and it's quite tiring. I mean, the easiest thing to do is just jump in that river and just go. We love doing that actually in December time. We used to go down to Clanebrook River, get a pool noodle, jump in at the bridge and just float down. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not such a raging river. You jump out, you run up a gate and you come down kind of thing. But for me on that otter trail, I mean, I'm carrying a pack. I mean, the pack must have weighed about 30 kgs, all my food. It's like, I think the Blokrans is on day four kind of thing. You've already, you've walked quite a bit now. 
you're tired, you're exhausted, you've got hiking boots, they're wet because it's been raining. Man, you just, and now, now I've got to get across this river. Now, you, now you've got to waterproof your bag. It's like you've got to put, the, put it into the, what, what do they call that bag? The survival bag. You've got to put it in there so it doesn't get wet and take off your shoes. Get your, I mean, everyone's enjoying it. But now, we've, now we're tired. We've been walking. I've been up and down a few times. I didn't pack the right food. I'm hungry. You know? And now I've got to swim across this river. And I jump in and we swim and we swim and we swim and we swim. And we just make it. Maybe, actually, we didn't even make the mark. We just missed, we just missed the point. And actually, if, if you just missed the point, you're going to have to cr- scramble over rocks, if I remember correctly. If you go too high, you'll... It's actually quite a mission to get around because it's, it's cliffs. There's some cliffs. So you've got, to, you've got to time it right. You've got to aim. You've got to get there. And, and, and actually, you know, what's helpful is to have the guys on the bank saying, swim a little bit higher. <laughs> They're shouting across. They're trying to get you to swim higher. And if you don't, if you don't follow their lead kind of thing, you're going to get washed out kind of thing. You need, you, we need those guys there standing on the banks and just helping us. Fortunately, we all got, there was about eight to ten of us on that hike. We all got across. We were safe. No one drowned. But people have drowned in the Blokrans River. Hey? What? Oh, yes. No, you're right. Almost every year, people drown in the Almost. Some, some do drown, some almost drown in the Blokrans River because they don't heed the fact that water is a powerful thing. Water is incredible powerful for us. I mean, we saw what it did to us on Monday. <laughs> I mean, if, if any of you have walked in the mountain yet, you would see there are dongas this deep. <laughs> Like, like crazy, crazy what the, what the, what the this, uh, flooding did. And how many of you know that our journey as believers is a little bit like that? That we're actually swimming against the stream pretty much all the time. We're swimming against society. We're swimming against the norms of society. We're swimming against culture. We're swimming against what's been drilled into us from the media we're swimming against our pressures from our friends at school. We're swimming against the clubs we're part of to conform, to just look like everyone else, to go along with the flow. Have you heard that? Just go with it. Just go with it. It's okay. Just go. You never know. You're right. But unless we swim against the stream, unless we take an angle of attack and go against it, we're not going to reach our final destination. And I believe the Bible actually, and this is a topic of discussion, yes, but I believe that there's very clear evidence for me scripturally, which might indicate that we might just not reach our final destination if we take our eyes off the mark and if we don't swim against the flow. We, we as a, I mean, we, we, we face challenges as people every day, and I just even think we've, we've been facing a challenge even with our, with our daughter. <laughs> it's quite fresh in our minds, so that's why I'm going to speak about it. She, she, did a, 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 she does contemporary dance, and I know Xavier as well. They do contemporary dance, and last night we went to their show, and it was not really what we, we thought it would be like kind of thing. We were a little bit shocked. The first, there were two dancers, and the first dance shocked us a little bit, a lot. <laughs> Because of what they were really saying. And, and so for us now, it's something we've got to process because that was not what we were led to believe. Not only our, because our daughter lied to us, but just because the, she didn't lie to us. Not, not because she lied. No, 
but because of how we were led, what we were led to believe along the journey. And actually, so we were, we were told one thing, and when we got to the destination, it was something totally different. And so we've got to revisit certain things as a family, and, and I think uh, we're not alone in that journey, <laughs> processing what happened last night. Anyway, the, the amazing thing is that my daughter is not swimming uphill alone. She's got mom and dad tucked in with her, and she's got all of the elders and the deacons and the leaders and you as family tucked in there, all her mates and youth tucked in there with her, swimming against the stream with her. And in order for us to say, you know what, I'm not going with the flow, it might mean that she has to get out the river and really go upstream <laughs> in order to get to the destination. So, you know, when I was, when I was just pondering on this and preparing, I thought the Lord laid a, a scripture on my heart. And I wanted to just read it to you guys and share it with you. And, um, and I'm going to show how scripturally there are things that, that the Lord, I believe, uh, or, that, or that Peter actually, he instructs in order for us to, to swim upstream a little bit. And in order for us to swim upstream, really the ultimate kind of desire is that we would be fruitful and effective for God's kingdom. Amen. We want to be fruitful. We want to bear much fruit. We want to, we want to be effective saints. We don't want to just be pew warmers. Please, if you are a, here to be a pew woman, <laughs> go find another church. Really, if you just want to sit here on Sunday and keep that chair warm, this is not the church for you. Because at some point, someone will come alongside you and stretch you. Who's been stretched? <laughs> you see, you're not alone. <laughs> you will be stretched. Why will we stretch you? Why? Not will I stretch you, but why will... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, stretch you because He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be effective for His kingdom. Every single one of you, not just us as elders or deacons, or every single one of you guys. CJ wants you to be effective. He wants you to be fruitful. Do you believe it, but Do you believe it? And I'm actually watching you guys just coming into a place of fruitfulness as you've surrendered and as you've submitted your lives and you've got stuck into community and it's beautiful to watch. Beatrice, Mariska, oh, where's Mariska now? She's downstairs watching you, my boot. And he knows he's laughing. I've watched how God has stretched him and just because he's going to be a fruitful tree one day. He, not that he's not fruitful now, he's bearing a lot of fruit now, but there's even more fruitfulness for him. For each and every one of us. Do you desire it? Do you desire it? So what does Scripture say? Well, let's see what the Scripture says, and we can see how this can apply to our lives. Okay, so let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, from verses 3 to 15. It's the ESV version. That you got it. And His divine power has granted to us all things. All things. Say all things. All, say it louder. All things. Not some things. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise. Say precious and very great promises. Let's hear it. Precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, for this reason, make every, 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 every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, knowledge, 
with knowledge, self-control, with self-control, steadfastness, with steadfastness, godliness, with godliness, brotherly affection, and with brotherly affection, sorry, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and un, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, I'm going to paraphrase it, you will be effective and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will... Sorry? Thank you. Did I get another... Did I get another? What? If you practice these qualities, you will... Come on. Come on. This is not Chad's words. This is the Bible. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm reminding you of these qualities. And we're going to look at them now now. Though you, may, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. We need to be reminded. How many of us forget? Lots. I forget lots. <laughs> I'm, my wife is forgetful sometimes. Trevor's forgetful. Bob's forgetful. We're all forgetful. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. Okay, in other words, he's saying I'm going to die soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Come on. Can I sit down? Can we just, can we just like, that's the word. That's the word of God. Sure. I feel like I'm preaching here. Come on. <laughs> um. Thanks, Trevi. So let's go back a little bit. Let's look at what it means. Well, firstly, I think he starts off, let's go to, um, well, he starts off the, the portion there for this very reason, and that's from verse 5. But what is the reason? So what, what are the divine promises? For this very reason, make every effort. So what is the reason? What is the reason? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Okay, I just want to look at that, and I'm going to go back a little bit. What is the reason? Well, it's because he has granted us his precious and great promises. So what are his promises? Come on. Who, what, what, what do we think are his promises? Anyone? Eternal life. I heard it at the back there. Divine nature, what does that mean? Well, that's a long technical explanation needed, hey? Reconciliation, that's a promise that we will be reconciled to God. Forgiveness of thin, sins. <laughs> Forgiveness of sins, thank you. Forgiveness of sins. Isn't eternal life a promise? What, where, where, do we hear that? where do we read that one? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. That's a promise. 
Do you believe that promise? How about Deuteronomy 31 verse 8? That's a promise. Let's look at that one. He's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't fear. That is an incredible promise. And what about one of my favorites, John 6? It says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never lose. That's a promise. And when we come to Jesus, that's, that's part of his divine nature. His divine nature is something we can't always understand, but he gives us these promises. He says, believe in me, believe in me, repent of your sin, believe in me, and you will have eternal life. I had the privilege this week of leading someone to Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen? Woo! Yes, someone came to know Jesus this week because I was bold enough to share the gospel with them. Someone has now been, been given the possibility, the chance of entering into the divine nature of God because he chose to believe, and he chose to believe the promise that says if you repent and believe, you will have eternal life. Come on. We should be doing that every day, sharing this, this incredible promise that has been given us, that we can have eternal life. And it's through that that we escape sin, we escape the corruption of sin, we escape it because Jesus has promised us that if we believe in him, if we believe in him, he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. Come on, do, how many of us struggle to believe that God will always be with us? Thank you for your honesty. I know it's, 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 it's hard, it's real. Some of us, like you're standing there at the edge of that river and it's bumping. I tell you what, and you go, Jesus, are you with me? Are you with me now? Or what about when you're in that river and suddenly the, 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 the flood hits? Jesus, you're with me. You're with me. You're with me. He promises us that he will never leave us. Even though it's going to be tough and hard, he promises us that he'll never leave us. Church, do you believe that? I know, I'm, I think I'm going, oh, I struggle with that one. I struggle. No, it's tough. It feels like God's left the building. He's never going to leave us. So for this reason, make every effort. So the reason of his promise, the reason of his precious and great promise that he's given us eternal life, that he has told us he will never. So I'm just giving three. There's a ton of other promises. But I mean, we could go on all day talking about the promises of God because they are incredible. And he is faithful. But he, the point of today is how can we be faithful, fruitful and effective for him? And so we need to look at those those points, because he lays it out there. He says, I want you to supplement your faith. I want you to add. I want you to furnish. The word actually, the, 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 um, the literal translation for that word is furnish. Because when we say, when it says add to your faith, it feels like it's an add-on, a click-on. You know, like I add to my faith this and that. It actually says furnish your faith. And for me, when I think of the word furnish, it actually, it, it, says, like it kind of makes like a bit better. Because the add-on is just an added extra. It might not have any value. But when it says furnish, it says this has value to your faith. I mean, we take a, those of us who enjoy interior designing or that kind of decorating homes. I know Nilika does beautiful jobs of setting out bedrooms and, uh, and like she knows how to furnish a room well. Renee as well, she knows how to furnish a food table well. <laughs> she knows how to do that. And that's lovely. And so it's not just adding it because it's, no, these are things that are going to make it look even better, even be better. And it's our faith. But these are things that we need to do. We need to do. The faith, the promise of eternal life has come through us by believing in Jesus. He has done that work. But then there's things that we've got to do. And this is, where, this is where we 
I've got to swim upstream. So let's have a look. First thing would be knowledge. Sorry, virtue. Who knows what the word virtue means? It's a big word. Well, it's a small word, but it's like, I've got to go. I had to go Google it. Virtue. Virtue. Add, furnish your faith with virtue. Well, virtue says this, behavior showing a high moral standard. Behavior showing a high moral standard. That's a choice I make. I choose to behave in a certain way. I choose not to sleep with my girlfriend before I'm married. I choose not to get drunk. I choose not to take drugs. I choose to keep my eyes focused on my wife and not on other women and not allow my mind and my thoughts to wander. I choose not to click P-O-R-N on the computer. I choose. High moral standard. Behavior. We, we all have behaviors. That's a choice. So add to your faith, furnish your faith, a high moral standard. Don't tell me, like, oh, I couldn't do it. I was weak. It's a choice, man. It's a choice. Much as I choose to put on underpants before I put in my jeans. Otherwise, it's going to get scratchy. All right. That's the reality. We make a choice. Knowledge. Add, furnish to our faith, knowledge. So this is interesting. The, the true definition of knowledge, or in my understanding, knowledge is this. It's information acquired through experience and acquaintance. Knowledge. It's information acquired through acquaintance and experience. So I buy a new car, and I get into that car, and I... Yeah, <laughs> I've never driven that car before. I don't know how it goes. So I've read all the books about that car. It's like I can have all the, the intellectual knowledge about that car, but until I actually ride that car and know what it can do, I'm going to drive like my, my, <laughs> my mother drives very carefully, very carefully, very carefully. But the, 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 more I, the more experience I get with that car, the more I drive it, then I said, you know, you know, if I drop it into second at this point, I can really go for it, you know. I know what, and it, because it's, I'm spending time getting to know that car. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus. We can't just say when we get saved, oh, I know Jesus. It requires, it requires time with him. I can't say I know Bob because I just met him for the first time. I, know, I, might have, I might know about Bob, because I heard about him. The guys were talking about him in Cape Town. Oh, this Bob, he's a great guy, and George is one of the pastors. He's like a lovely one of the elders. He's, like, he's, a, he's an older man. He's married to Barbara. They have two daughters. They have how many grand? They've got four grandkids. Right, eh? Um, you know, he, you know he's, but I tell you what, it's a bit different from when I came here, and I sat in his lounge, and he told me about his journey with cancer. And the pain and the anguish that that caused them as a couple. And the open heart surgery he had many years ago. And the, the aches and the pains and, now, and, and the fears and the, 
all those little things. Now I know Bob better than just knowing about him. It's because I'm spending time with him. We sit and have coffee often together. We have breakfast together every now and again. And maybe, you know, he's getting to know me. It's different from just hearing about him. And that's the same thing with Jesus. We need to know him. We need to spend time in his presence. We need to spend time reading the word. We need to spend time praying. And that's an active daily choice we make. I can just choose not to get to know Jesus, and I'm just going to drift away. We need to spend time. Self-control. Your, come on, discipline. How many of us struggle with that one? Hey, <laughs> yo, let's say, try again. How many of us struggle with that one? There's a, yo, I'm impressed. A lot more of you are more disciplined than I thought. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I trained for that other race, and it required a lot of discipline to wake up early in the morning. Ask my wife, she knew, to wake up early and train. There's a couple of us that do events, unless your name's Murray, because then you don't need to train. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But in order for me to, to complete that race, John knows he's done a couple of triathlons. He's done a couple of marathons. Um, you know, some friends of ours this weekend did the UTCT, which is the Cape Town Ultra Trail Marathon. They've had to train. They've had to discipline themselves. They've had to wake up early. They've had to go, you know, put time on the road. They've had to do it. It's, it's a choice because you can't just rock up at the race day and think to run 42Ks like that. Ask Theo. He knows. He's run many races as well. Kian, training, he's beating his body, he's disciplining himself, he wakes up early. I mean, to be honest, there's not a man I know more disciplined than this youngster who wakes up early, spends time in the Word with God, then he goes for a run, then he gets ready for school. He, tell you what, there's discipline there. There's discipline there. We need discipline. You know, we're just all over the place and do it as we feel like it. When I feel like it. Maybe. Discipline, 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 discipline. Guard your hearts, guys. Discipline. Steadfastness. Oh, resolute, unwavering, committed, loyal. Steadfastness. Are we loyal? Yo. Are we committed? Are we committed? Yo. These are things we can do. These are things we can do. Godliness. I'm... I'm Dragging on you. I must hurry up. Sorry, otherwise I'm going to run out of time. Godliness. Godliness. Another word for godliness is holiness. It's actually, I love that other, I saw another definition, devotion in action. How's that? And it has three elements. A fear of God, a love of God, and a desire of God. Desire for God. Are we devoted? Are we godly? Are we holy? Do we have an attitude? And, and devotion is not just an outward doing thing. It's an attitude of the heart. Because if we're just doing it because we've been told to do it or devoted just because that's the done thing, then we've missed the boat. Devotion is an attitude of heart, but it's rooted in our fear of God, our love for God, our desire for God. Brotherly affection. Komiso, hein. Komiso. Come here. Brotherly affection. <laughs> Brotherly affection. Come here, love. <laughs> Agape. <laughs> no, 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 no. Erot, erot, eros. <laughs> can't, we can't actually, we can't really do agape because that's us and God. But filet, brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. Love for one another. 
Do we love one another? Are we loving the church or do we just come to church because that's what I've done and because it's something I need to do? Are we actively part of the body of Christ? And for our visitors here, because I see there are a lot of us this morning, you might have come from a church where all you did was go to church on a Sunday. Josh Jen ain't that church. Okay. We don't just do church on Sundays. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We're in your lives. If you want to, if you, I, I, I think some guys, uh, Charmaine had an operation this week. The guys have given her food. They've taken her meals. Guys moving. House. Guys take their meals. That's brotherly love. And, and really not just, I'm doing it because the elders have asked me to. No, because we really love one another. We really love one another. We spend time. I was so blown away. One of the guys visiting us, he came with me to community on Wednesday night, invited him to join us. He sat there and he looked at Nardis and he said, man, you don't know me. You had such an impact on my life. You invited me for a meal and my family for a meal into your house. You don't know me. I was like, go Nardis. Go Nardis. That made an impact on my life. That's not because Nardis is doing what Nardis does. Because he's actually quite a private guy. He's kind of like his Burchi. He's Afrikaans here. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. It is who he is. It is who they are. And they do it because they love the body. They love the body. We don't just have people in our homes because we've got, we, we need friends. No, honestly, well, I need friends. I better invite. No, we do it because we love one another and because we want to build friendship. All of us need somebody to love. There's a song of that. <laughs> we do. <clears throat> These things. And, and then, on, okay, so that was the brotherly love. Okay, well, the erot, that was just a little sideline because I love my wife. But then he says, add to these things, add to your virtue, add to your faith, furnish your faith with love, agape love, love for God. You can do all of this stuff. You can be doing this at your very best, and it will just be works, it will just be dead. But unless you do it rooted in a love for God and understanding that he what? He died for you. That what? That he, his promises, his great and precious promises, it's just stuff. It's just stuff, but do it rooted in love for Him. Simple. So, so simple. Like, what is, so what's the problem? No, I, like, I'm talking to myself, I often look at myself and like, yes, that's so simple. Why do I struggle? Why do I struggle? Because actually, you know what? That river is strong. And I need to be, I need to be swimming strong. Forward, forward. I can't give up swimming. The moment you give up swimming, you're going to drift. The moment you give up, you're going to drift. Do you know what I love about that thing as well? He says, he says here, he says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So the thing about these qualities, and no matter, it doesn't say you have to have a lot of it. You just got to have some of these qualities at least. You got to be just practicing some of this in order that you don't lose sight. Because if I took my eyes off the end line, I'm going to drift. I need to keep my eyes focused. And sometimes what happens when we lack these qualities, we become nearsighted and actually even blind, that we can't see where we're going. We can't see where we've come from, firstly. I mean, how many of us got saved, radically saved? Like, I mean, that salvation experience for you was something incredible and it blew your mind. And you know what has happened? We've actually forgotten what we were saved from. We've forgotten. It's like, you know, I know some of you oaks. 
I know what some of you guys have been saved from. Don't forget it. And it's not that we have to remember, like, oh, I've got to be living the past. No. By not forgetting the past, it helps us go more for Jesus. And then we've got to keep our eyes on the future. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on the prize. There's the end. There's the end. That's where I'm going. Because as soon as we take our eyes off that, we lose track and we drift. So he says that. He says, if you lack these qualities, and that, they, these are the things that give us the ability to hold the line, to hold the line. Otherwise, we will become ineffective, unfruitful, and scarily enough, we might fall away. That's scary. I don't want to fall away. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fall away. I don't want to fall away from Jesus. I have experienced Jesus, and I don't just, I'm not here because I'm some great orator. I'm here because I love Jesus. I'm not someone that is, you know, just wrapped up in being someone who can help. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. He died for me. He saved me, rotten, stinky Chad, who deserved hell. And I'm clean now because he has washed me. Not only because we have water, but because he, <laughs> because he died for my sins. That's why I'm clean. His blood has cleansed me. And so I will add to my faith. I will furnish my faith. Godliness, I will choose to live a life that has high moral standard. I will choose to live like that. I will choose to be self-disciplined. I will choose to be self-controlled. I will choose to grow in my knowledge of Him. I will be patient. I will be resolute. I will be committed. I will exercise godliness, holiness. I will live a lifestyle that is holy and pleasing, acceptable to Him. I will be devoted to you, to Him. I will be devoted and I will love my brother and I will love him. That's what I'm going to do. And in that, watch the fruitfulness. Watch the effectiveness come. Watch. Watch it in your lives. Do, are, you, are you hungry for that? Do you want to be fruitful? We, we want to be a tree that bears fruit. We want to be something that's effective. I mean, come on. There's something inside of every single one of us that wants to be effective in some way or other. If you're just happy with the status quo... I, mean, I think there's seriously something wrong in that. We must. Ne uh, if you just satisfied, just go. I'm not, I'm, no, I want to encourage you that there should always be a desire for something more. There must be. We can never be satisfied with just. Blah. No, I'm not, like honestly, like that. That I believe is a lie from the devil, and it's it's almost like a it's like this this veil that comes upon us where I'm just satisfied where I'm at. No. It's so easy to fall in that place. It's so easy just to go, oh, my situation, my circumstances, I'm never going to go anywhere. This, No. I, I tell you, I'm going to fight. I'm gonna, because I know if I don't fight, if I don't swim against the river, I'm going to get washed away. I'm going to get washed away. I've got to. I've got to. I've got to. And this is the encouragement that Peter writes to these people. He writes. He encourages them. He's like, he's, 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 like, he's furnishing their faith there. He's, he's, he's supplementing. He's, he's putting the fertilizer on. He's going, come on, guys. Come on. Because... I know you know these things. He says that. He says, I know you know these things, but I'm just reminding you. And I know for some of us we know these things, but I'm just reminding you. Because maybe someday I'm not going to be here to remind you, and the hope is that you will continue in these things. Thank you, Joel. I hope so too. <laughs> I hope so too. Because <laughs> I love it here. I love being with you guys. I love what God's doing. I love what He's doing. I love seeing... New visitors. I love seeing new folk coming in and just going, hey, 
man, can, can we be part of your family? Yes, you can. You're most welcome. You are absolutely most welcome. No one will be turned away. As long as you, you come with a heart to be stretched and to swim and to keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't let the circumstances, life, give you a snort club. Just fix your eyes on Jesus and swim. You know, having a buddy swimming next to you, it's so helpful. Having a strong swimmer next to you is helpful. Don't have a swimmer who can't swim next to you. Because a swimmer who can't swim next to you is going to pull you down. He's going to drown you. There are a lot of strong swimmers in this family. Get a strong swimmer next to you. Get a spotter on the bank. And even if you are struggling to swim, let someone throw it a line and say, come back. Okay, let's start again. Let's start again. It's never, you know, that, that is the amazing thing. Because we, we have, we are, the Bible says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We're not just a, 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 like a, a bunch just looking, going, oh, he's drowning. Oops, he's gone. We're not, because to be honest, there are some churches that are like that. They watch, oh, dear, shame. Another one gone. Bye-bye. No, this is a church that will throw you a lifeline, even though it might knock you on the head. Honestly, <laughs> and that might hurt a little bit, but at least you'll have a bruise on your head. At least you won't drown. Hey, I'd rather have a bruise on my head from that life boy than drown. Come on. <laughs> That's a classic one. I dig it. Because so many of us are just going, just leave me. I'm going to drown. You know what, my bro? Grab on. Come, and let's, let's get into that water together. Let's get into that water together. Let's get, and, you know, we're going into silly holiday season, whatever it might be, and the temptation to... <gasps> I'm drifting, is there. The temptation is there. And temptation itself is not a sin. Let's just clarify that. As if you give in to that temptation, that's when the problems start. We are all tempted. Jesus was tempted. But this season ahead of us, and not only this season, but I tell you, our entire life till the day we stand before Jesus and can just say, here I am, Lord. We have got to swim. We have got to swim. We have got to swim. We have got to go forward, go forward, go forward. We can't afford to give up. We can't afford to just lie on that pool noodle and drift and enjoy the, the, the current. Out there are sharks. <laughs> There's some big Johnnies out there. <laughs> There's some dangerous currents out there. The river is between banks. It's safe. And so just maybe even this morning, as you've heard me share, and, it's like, and I know it's been, and it's been a bit warm, but I I just there's something even in your heart going, man. I'm 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 not swimming probably right now. There is an opportunity to start swimming. Maybe you feel like you're not fit enough. I'll tell you what. Come swim with me. I'll get you fit. Or swim with or run. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Come swim with me. Come swim with someone stronger because you know that 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 is the most amazing thing about training. And getting stronger is when you run or you train with someone fitter than you, you push yourself and you get fitter. You train with someone weaker than you, you get weaker. I've experienced that. If I run with Kian, I'm panting. If I run with Theo, he's panting. <laughs> One is just looking at me, not saying anything. <laughs> Actually, we're both panting when we're running with Keon. 
But it is a reality. I'm, I'm joking, but he knows, he, knows, he knows what I mean. Is when you run with someone stronger than you, you're going to pant a bit. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have stiff muscles the next day. But I tell you what, the next time then I run, I'm stronger. I'm stronger. I'm stronger. I'm stronger. If I'm running at, with someone who's at my pace, even, or someone weaker than me, I'm never going to get stronger. I'm never going to know what I'm capable of. And so that is the warning. That is the caution. Run stronger with people stronger than you. 